Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. Hey, and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com. And today we were poaching from the best. <laughs> so previous guest of Star Wars Minute and the Thing Minute, we've got seasoned podcaster Ryan Haupt of Science Sort of Podcast. Welcome, hey Ryan. Thanks. Hey. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> we've been listening in on some of our other favorite podcasts. And when they have a good guest, we're like, let's get them. <laughs> so thanks for that. joining yeah. us. Happy to be here. Cool. I had a question for you, actually, and I was hoping what you would do for the kids back home, the listeners, is explain what a paleontologist is. Paleontologist is a scientist that studies past life. So anything since life first evolved on planet Earth up until about 10,000 years ago is the cutoff we usually ascribe to when uh, the newest fossils are found. Uh, anything less than 10,000 years old is usually called a subfossil, and that gets into archaeology and anthropology and then modern biology. And so, um, yeah, I'm a paleontologist. I study the current and past ecology of mammals, in particular things like sloths and carnivores. Awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sweet. Cool. I feel smarter already just knowing this. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I just wanted to shine a little light on that so people have a little context about yeah, what your jam not, is. Not just dinosaurs. That's the big misconception. Most people hear paleontologists, they think, you know, Jurassic Park dinosaurs, but they it does include dinosaurs. I have some dinosaur friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not awesome. just dinos. So I'm a <laughs> mammal person. I keep them, keep it fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> get some shirts made up that say that <laughs> <laughs> better than keep it furry which is yeah, yeah not, not kink shaming anyone you know live your truth but it's not just not what i do as a job yeah so in today's episode we are covering minute 31 of the movie the cabin in the woods and in this minute dana cracks open the diary of doom dun 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 so this is it main event they're looking at all the different items they're gonna make a choice and in the next uh this week actually these guys finally uh throw down for their choice of uh object of doom and this is the beginning of that so as we start this minute uh we have dana picking up a diary and the respective characters getting into all of the different items so marty is finally succumbed to being interested in the film that's what attracts him the film reels holden's looking at the ballerina music box kurt's looking at the pain puzzle box jules is checking out the bride necklace and then of course dana is checking out the diary so uh, the first question that I had for you guys is why do you think that Drew slash Joss chose those items for those particular characters? Uh, well, with the bride's necklace, I mean, there's that whole idea of the you have to have like a virgin involved in this scenario. And mm. uh, uh, traditionally, you know, brides were wearing white to symbolize their virginity. Although so, OK, I looked at the list of all the different monsters that could have been. Because, mm -hmm. you know, scientists want to categorize this. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to figure out on my own. I ended up having to go to the Cabin in the Woods wiki, wiki page to figure this out and, and just even to get the list of all the different possible monsters. 
And I, like you, thought the necklace was for the bride, but the wiki page said that the necklace is for the werewolf, or that the werewolf was activated by some sort of pendant. And then my wife pointed out that that is the character who's making out with the wolf head earlier. So there's some controversy here. So you might need to get the listeners to weigh in, maybe put a little poll up, see if we can't figure this out. That is so great, because I I was trying to kind of look at what was on the pendant, but I even pausing it, you know, at a couple different spots, I couldn't really find anything, but. Cause I definitely went bride that, first too. Yeah. But there might, there's, yeah. there's, yeah. An alternate theory. Cool. Yes. That's great. Yeah. So I don't think I really have anything to add there. I think that's definitely an intriguing idea that it could be for the, the wolf, the wolf man or the wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Wait, is there a wolfman in addition to a werewolf? Because some of these have well, like multiple. What's the difference between versions? a werewolf and a wolfman? Werewolf I think the wolf. type of beast. I think a wolfman is a well, like Teen Wolf is like a wolfman versus a werewolf. When you think of like Underworld, the movie Underworld, those are like werewolves proper. They're like oh, those were lichens. Well, yeah, that's what a werewolf is. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay. So for a second, I thought maybe Ware was genderless, and maybe so you could have a lady wolf as a werewolf. But, um, and I do remember that I listened to this podcast called History of English, and mm. it's a great podcast if you're a word nerd and into etymology. And yeah, Ware is from the Old English, and it does specifically refer to a man. So the combo was Ware and wife. Hmm. So Ware is the the male version of wife in Old English. Hmm. Yeah. So we've got a werewolf pendant on a bride's. Well, it wouldn't have turned her into a werewolf. It would have just summoned the werewolf to kill them. Right. Right. I was just saying because you were saying wear and wife. So I was. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's yeah. That's interesting. That's that'd be a very deep cut. Um, Not that not that (laughs) Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon aren't capable of that, but. (laughs) Yeah, I think I just I just am admitting and recognizing right here on this podcast confession time. I never really disconnected werewolf and wolf man. Yeah, I think they're but synonymous. Guys, I think one's just the old English version of the more hmm. modern wolf man. Yeah. So there's another place people can wear it. Wear in. They can wear wolf in. in. <laughs> Howl if you think it's... No. Anyways, yeah. Okay. So Wolfman, Werewolf. Okay. Well, let's move past this. So, well, Marty is interested in the film canister or the film that's kind of Yeah, this hanging. one I had to look up because you don't ever actually see what's the film. You don't see any of the frames of the film. Right. And according to the wiki, uh, that summons Kevin. Yes. Who and he, even he is a little dubious as to which what Kevin he may be. Right. Are, do you guys when you guys do these minutes, are you doing it with the presumption that you've seen the rest of the movie? Is this a spoiler zone or what's the. Oh, yeah. We spoil her up and down, dude. Yeah. Yeah, right. totally. So, yeah. I guess later in the movie, when you see all the different monsters, you do see Kevin and it's just a guy like sitting in one of the cells, like a normal looking person. And so um, the theory there is it's like we need to talk about Kevin psycho killer thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But on the whiteboard with all the bets, no, none of the departments have Kevin. So if they'd gotten Kevin, I guess nobody would have won the, the raffle. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, there are a couple of different people have thought that was connected with like American Psycho. Oh, uh, like a Patrick Bateman. Right. Yep, exactly. Could be Kevin McAllister, who we all know from Home Alone, oh. grew up to be Jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's practically canon, right? Definitely. Well, you know, early childhood trauma. And a guy who has a penchant for setting up traps. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But as to why Marty is connected to that, I'm not sure. I don't know if I have a... Do you, Molly, do you, did you get a, a hit off of why you thought the different folks chose the different items? Any theories? You know, I think Jules is the only... I, I, I would really just be postulating, honestly. Um, I think one of the things that I find to be interesting about all these items is they're, they they beg engagement. So a necklace, you have to put it on or it has a, a tactile quality, has an aesthetic quality to it. So I can see, you know, as they're making jewels out to be, quote unquote, the whore, that there's a stigmatization with with beauty and you know beautification and an association with over feminization. And so I can see them making a case for, oh, look, it's a necklace because there's a, you know, a decorative element there. Dana, maybe because that's it's a diary of of a young girl, and so maybe there's some you know empathy or sentimentality in terms of connection to that there's also I think a, an intellectual aspect in that there's a an intimacy, and we can talk about that a little bit later about you know the secret thoughts being written down being connected to that um Holden, I honestly don't know where a ballerina comes into play for him as a as the scholar. Marty, I can kind of see the film because that's another uh, kinetic, you know, I, I can see him being a film guy, but that's really loose. There's nothing, you know, that I've seen of him so far that would really directly indicate that. And then Kurt with the pain puzzle box, I can see him being, you know, because he's supposed to be the athlete. I can see it being something that's very kinetic and engaging, and that's why he might be interested in it. But I was really curious if you guys saw any connections. That's why thought I'd bring it up. Uh, I think Marty with the film in part just because he seems to be the one that's most aware of the meta text of the situation. Mm. Um, so in an upcoming minute when Dana is getting ready to read some Latin from the <laughs> diary, he's the one character who's like, don't do that. That's a bad idea. And that's sort of like a scream level. You only know that's a bad idea if you know you're in a horror movie. Right. And so I think that's why he's interested by the movie because he's the one who kind of senses that this is a synthetic world that they're in at the moment. Mm. That's my theory. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it, a synthetic world. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to really just simplify what you were saying about about jewels and say like ladies be shopping like oh, a necklace, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> with um similarly with Kurt, you know, like we saw him for quite a while earlier in the movie holding a football for no apparent reason. So this like, oh, this is another ball I can hold. And so <laughs> sort of simple, but <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well because it almost goes against type for him because if he's being the dumbed down athlete then him solving a puzzle is a uh, counterintuitive right but it's got buttons you can press the button <laughs> <laughs> makes cool clicky noises yeah it's kind of like a rubik's cube or something where you just want to pick it up and play with it like you said molly it's just tactile and fidgety 
Yeah, I'm not sure about Kurt, but what the things I noticed with Kurt, or pardon me, with uh, Holden and the jewelry box is just that him looking at the jewelry box and his eyeballs, <laughs> his face being reflected in the mirror with his eye and, and the lighting on his face looks like a um, a typical view in a scary movie like just mm -hmm. somebody looking at something and us being able to see almost you know his eye completely like it just looks like it's evocative of others you know horror films oh i love that shot i love that shot and he looks freaky in that shot to me too like really disturbing to me for some reason uh mm -hmm. and it's kind of it's a little bit comical because you do have that little ballerina rotating slightly off frame mm -hmm. <laughs> during that. It's yeah, it's one of the best shots hands down in this whole act for sure. And so supposedly according to the wiki, cause I didn't, I couldn't easily match up. I mean, there is one of the monsters just called dolls. And so I could see that being mm. tied into the, uh, the music box. But according to the wiki page, it, that summons the sugar plum fairy. Yes. And that also didn't have anybody in the raffle. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she because she looks so creepy, the Sugar Plum Fairy, when we get to see her. But mm -hmm. maybe people don't think she's um, a viable, reliable. Because uh, seemingly they've, we're going to find out that the Buckners have a 100% rate of clearance of, uh, of clearance <laughs> so maybe the ballerina is not a a tie you know a true well-tested um character that's gonna do the oh, job okay. so she's low yeah, low in the ratings or something not a popular choice well i mean does she just chew on people yeah what does she do are you um she looks Ryan, this to me yeah yeah parasitic sort of parasite. sure. oh it's like a 40 pound parasite <laughs> off of you. I mean, that's a, that's a crazy lamprey, you know? <laughs> I mean, she, she actually almost looks a little bit like the, um, the mind parasite from that Rick and Morty episode. If you guys I'm know. not familiar with that episode. Uh, it's an episode where there's a psychic parasite that can implant false memories of all of the family members so that all these new characters keep showing up in the house, but everyone can remember <laughs> those characters, but they're all like silly characters like reverse giraffe and hammer eye, which is a samurai with bacon armor. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Very long body. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, but when, whenever you kill it, it reverts back to its parasite form and it looks a lot like the sugar plum fairy design that I saw for Cabin in the Woods. Oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point too, is that we don't know exactly, we don't know exactly what that sugar plum fairy can do. We know it has tons of rows of teeth and looks really creepy, but beyond that, we're not really sure what its powers are. True. Yes. And then supposedly the, the puzzle would unlock, I thought it might be the alien beast. Cause I thought the puzzle looked kind of could be like alien-y, mm -hmm. but uh, according to the wiki, it says it unleashes uh, Fornicus, which is the guy with the saw blades in his head. That's kind of the um, the pinhead hell, sort Hellraiser, of yeah, Hellraiser riff. And so Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain. Yes, we're big fans of Fornicus. We mostly are. of just saying his name. <laughs> it's a good name. It's a good name. It is a good name. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay, we've gotten the rundown of all of the 
different items that are being observed by our characters. Is there anything else in particular here that you guys wanted to comment on for minute 31? So in this, uh, she starts reading from the journal in this minute. Yes. And one of the phrases she uses proved on those travelers in reference to doing something terrible to travelers. Mm-hmm. I find that phase very creepy. And I know most of the next minute is about her reading the journal. So I have, um, I have some stuff to say on the rest of what she reads in the journal, but just that one phrase that they did a really good job writing in sort of convincingly old timey English. That also is very creepy. Uh, yeah, I agree. Sometimes. And, and that's that, jumped out at me to the proved on those travelers Mm -hmm. (laughs) so were they tortured were they killed were their arms hacked off like what happened to those travelers and why did what did it prove yeah i mean I, i think we can all agree something really bad happened to them they were hurt in some fashion but yeah that's a really excellent opening line i believe this was joss who wrote the diary sections hmm yeah, I think you're right. I think they they said in the commentary that he just, you know, went away and went away by himself and then wrote all that stuff on his own. <laughs> <It's> disturbing. <laughs> oh, speaking of um, archetype shifts. So we have Holden who walks over to be by Dana's side and he pulls out a pair of glasses out of his shirt pocket and puts them on. So he's made the transition into being the scholar now, quote unquote. Yeah, he kind of had a bit of a jock look earlier, bit of the athlete, and now his transition has completed. He's got those glasses on. Yeah, I think they I think they pointed out that they kind of had to force these characters to slot into the archetypes, otherwise it wasn't going to mm-hmm. work. And so it's, you know, I think it was an interesting commentary on the stereotyping in horror movies of the basic characters you tend to see and you know starting off with relatively well-rounded characters who all are good students while also being good athletes and and yet when they get into this house when they get into a horror movie scenario they all have to like simplify and streamline into the type that they're supposed to play which is interesting Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely feel like i didn't really get that as much you know maybe the first or first one or two times i watched the movie but now it really especially watching it slowly like this you can really see the transitions happening oh yeah i bet minute by minute for Mm -hmm. sure and then there's a lot of interesting stuff sound wise going on in this minute too like we didn't really talk about it but when we first start there's just sort of creepy at atmospheric music playing but then when the jewelry box is opened there's this creepy music box music jewelry box stuff that kind of comes up and it actually really meets the volume of the the mounting tension kind of music and it all sort of starts to blend together and then i believe of course i have the sound off right now but i believe that once dana starts to talk about what's in the uh, diary that then that all kind of shuts down real quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does build to a crescendo. And that's what's kind of cool about this minute is, you know, watching it without the sound and then watching it with the sound, you get such a a complex set of cues for a crescendo to happen. So, you know, we have a, a slow build of these guys 
being curious about what these different items are. And then from like a cinematography perspective, you have these shots that are really medium and then they become the second tier where they're close-up shots. So you have a shot of Jules where you see just her eyes and then it looks like she's getting ready to put the necklace on. You know, that close-up shot that we were talking about with Holden where it's just his eye in the mirror. So he's really intent on that, you know, ballerina. We've got a close-up shot of the diary and uh, Dana's hand. So it tightens up, it tightens up and then wham, then you have her actually say, hey guys, guys. And she interrupts everything. But those audio cues are really interesting with the the music getting louder and louder and still having that. Uh, and this is what I wanted to ask you guys about too, is it's interesting that the music box music runs over the top of that soundtrack. And so what I was kind of, Did you have a question? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I jumped the gun. Well, I was curious why you guys think they made that choice. I think, I mean, I think it's so you as a viewer don't really know which, I mean, you can, you know, at this point in watching the film, even if you've never seen it before, that there's clearly each of these items is important. And so you as a viewer don't yet know which item is going to be the one that's picked. And so it has to build all items up equally, I think. Mm. Yeah, certainly the building and building of the, the sound while they're each getting closer and closer and the camera's getting closer and closer. Yeah, I I mean, I brought it up because I thought it was interesting that as a choice, yeah, it's creepy. You're right. It's a creepy thing because the actual box itself is like a wolf in sheep's clothing. It, these all of them are wolf in sheep's clothing because they look innocent on the outside, but they're not actually. They're instruments of doom. But I find it interesting that they brought in, there's a lot of these child items in this room. You know, there's a set of dolls that we saw from a previous minute. There's masks. And now you have this. And so I find it curious that so much of the, the horror aspect of this and the, the subterfuge are child's items. So they appear safe. Well, there's just a long history in horror movies of taking the innocence of children and turning it against the protagonists in a creepy or scary way. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you guys noticed or wanted to chat about this particular minute before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I'm excited for next minute. I got some good stuff. Awesome. Cool. So, okay, well, let's wrap up today. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Ryan, um, where can people find you out there in the old internets? A uh, number of different places. My main home on the web is my personal website, which is ryanhaupt.com. Uh, my last name is spelled H-A-U-P-T, and it uh, that website talks about the actual science that I do, so if you want to learn a little bit more about my research, uh, as well as get some info on the podcast. As you mentioned earlier, the podcast is Science Sorta, which is at sciencesorta.com, where we uh, drink beer and talk Ooh. about science, and that's that's kind of the show. Sweet. And, yeah, I, I kind of like to say, you know, it's 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 not Radio Lab in terms of its production, but I like to say that we're kind of the radio, the science radio chat show, where we're just hanging out, having a good time. You'll never think that we're standing at a podium or wearing a lab <laughs> coat. So, hopefully, uh, people can go check that out, and hopefully, they like it. Cool. I have not checked it out yet, but it definitely sounds like the kind of thing I, I'm into, and I, I love. Uh, when it's a little more conversational like that and sounds yeah it's hard i mean you reach you reach podcast saturation on how many hours there are in the day to listen mm -hmm. to stuff and then it could be hard <laughs> to slot in a new show so i get it yeah well insomnia sometimes yeah. helps me catch up a lot <laughs> 
So yeah, cool. So we'll have Ryan back on Wednesday. And as usual, you can find us and a ways to subscribe if for some reason you haven't yet um, on our website, which is cabinminutecast.com. And uh, that's where you'll also find all of our our social links so you can come socialize with us. And uh, if you're interested in hanging out and talking a little bit more back and forth with the group of listeners, then that's on Facebook and just look up Gabin in the woods. And if you look up Gabin in the woods, that's our Facebook group. And you're welcome to join us there. <laughs> so thank you all for tuning in to episode 31 and we will see you back at the cabin. <laughs> <laughs>